Our lesson from the book of Acts begins this morning by speaking of Saul. We are told that Saul, or quote, Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, unquote, is on his way to Damascus. Breathing threats and murder. I cannot hear this phrase in its context without thinking of all of the religiously motivated violence that has become so commonplace in our lives. I cannot help but think of the attack on a synagogue in Poway, California last weekend at a Passover service, where the attacker justified his attack in part by relying on Christian theology. I cannot help but think of how that attack was motivated and and patterned after the New Zealand mosque attack and the Pittsburgh synagogue attack of last October. I cannot help but think of the Easter bombings in Sri Lanka that killed hundreds, or of the three black churches recently set on fire in Louisiana. Breathing threats and murder. I heard this phrase in my mind as I attended a service last Wednesday evening on Holocaust Remembrance Day at Beth Shir Shalom Synagogue. There we not only remembered the 12 million victims of Nazi violence, the six million Jews and six million others, but we remembered the dehumanization that is currently at work in our own nation in the treatment of immigrants and refugees. Breathing threats and murder. I hear this phrase when I think of all of the horrific violence that has been justified in the name of God and religion and ideology throughout the history of humanity. Saul, still breathing threats and murder, this this Saul we hear of this morning will in time become Paul the great apostle to the Gentiles, whose, whose letters make up a considerable portion of the New Testament, and who is perhaps the greatest, or at least the most influential theologian in the history of Christianity. When we look in on Saul this morning, we find him on his way to Damascus to continue his persecution of the disciples of Jesus that he had started or he had participated in in Jerusalem. It is important to recognize that it would be anachronistic to think of Saul as a Jew persecuting Christianity. In Saul's time, there is no such thing as Christianity as a separate religion, and there really wouldn't be until after Paul's death. Here we are witnessing a persecution of people within their shared religion. And this sort of persecution would have been far outside of the mainstream of Judaism, both then and now. And yet Saul goes to Damascus because he is convinced about the righteousness of his cause. Saul feels like he is defending his religious tradition and therefore is defending God. He's so convinced by, this interpreta- by his interpretation of God 
and God's ways that it blinds him to the shared humanity of those who disagree with him. Saul is, is blindly turned in on himself. In his commentary on the book of Acts, the theologian Willie James Jennings writes that, that people like Saul are closed circles. Jennings writes that a person like Saul is, quote, a closed circle relying on the inner coherence of their logic. Their authority confirms their argument, and their argument justifies their actions, and their actions are reinforced by the appropriateness of their authority. Violence, in order to be smooth, elegant, and seemingly natural, needs people who are closed circles. Hear again what Jennings has to say, because I think it bears repeating. Smooth, elegant, and natural-seeming violence needs people who are closed circles. These folks who are closed circles, their authority justifies their argument, which justifies their actions, and their actions justify their authority again. And Saul is this sort of a closed circle. But on that road to Damascus, Saul, the closed circle, is broken open by the grace of God. There is a flash of light from heaven that strikes Saul blind. Saul falls to the ground and hears a voice inquiring, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul already knows that he is dealing with higher powers when he responds, Who are you, Lord? When the voice replies, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, well then Saul's life will never be the same. For the divine presence reveals itself to Saul in the suffering and in the oppression and in the persecution that he has caused in the life of others. For what God reveals to Saul is that the Lord, that is God, and Jesus are one. And Jesus is one with those whom Saul has persecuted and oppressed and had a hand in murdering. Jesus is one with the vulnerable and the afflicted disciples that Saul has sought to mistreat. But of course, it's more than this. For in his teaching, Jesus tells us is that he tells us that he is one with all who suffer and with all who are oppressed. Jesus tells us that he is one with the victims of hunger and abuse. To serve those who are marginalized, Jesus tells us, is to serve Jesus himself. To ignore those same people is to ignore Jesus. And so to victimize another is to victimize Jesus, and to victimize Jesus is to victimize God. God reveals God's self to Saul in the victims of Saul's cold and violent logic. 
We must not be blind to this because, because Saul's conversion is of a particular sort. It's not the sort of conversion that we are used to. For Saul does not cease being Jewish in order to become Christian as a separate religion. Saul is not going from being an atheist to becoming a theist. He's not going from being irreligious to being religious. He's not going from being unfaithful to being faithful. It's not even that Saul goes from not believing in the Messiah to now believing in the Messiah. As a Pharisee, Saul already trusted that God would send a Messiah who would usher in God's kingdom and fulfill God's plan. The revelation, the conversion that transforms Saul's life is that Saul is shown that Jesus, the crucified one, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. And this is what we must see. Now, the Messiah for Saul, that is to say the culmination of God's salvific action, is seen as the crucified Jesus. God's glory is both hidden and revealed in a crucified Messiah who God raises from the dead. And what's more, Jesus reveals himself to Saul as the divine brother who suffers alongside those who are persecuted. What is revealed to Saul is God's solidarity with the victims of violence and oppression. It is in seeing this that Saul is transformed. It is in seeing this that Saul is baptized and receives the Holy Spirit. It is in seeing God's presence with the marginalized. This is what sends Saul out to proclaim the good news of God in Christ. And so too, too we are called by God to share in this good news. We too must bear witness with our lives to God's presence among among the victims of violence and oppression. To be faithful to God is to stand with them. We must bear witness against the anti-Jewish and anti-Muslim violence that has a grip on our nation and stand together with those who suffer from it. We must stand in solidarity with our fellow Christians who suffer violence both home and abroad. We must speak out against the the maltreatment of immigrants and refugees and asylum seekers in our nation. Any ideology which grounds itself in the dehumanization of others, whether it be anti-Semitism or white supremacy, whether it be racism or homophobia, any other ideology that looks to strip people of their God-given dignity stands at odds with God, as God has revealed God's self to us in the crucified one, in Jesus the Christ. God is looking to break open those closed circles. God is looking to break open our hearts 
and our minds and our lives to see the victims of oppression in our midst and to stand with them and to serve them. God is looking to open the closed circles of our justification to open our lives to those who who suffer and are persecuted. For in the crucified Messiah, here we see God's glory. Here we see God's redemptive work at play. Amen.